Welcome to 216, a link to the past randomizer podcast. I am your host, Fear Agent. Hope everyone in the U.S. had a great Thanksgiving coming off of Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States. Definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite holiday. Uh, We had sick kids all week, so kind of put a damper on things a little bit. Kids were able to get healthy just in time for Thanksgiving Day. So had a nice dinner with the family. Really enjoyed it. Love Thanksgiving. Love, love, love Thanksgiving. Love football. All three games on Thanksgiving were excellent to watch. That was a lot of fun. So big NFL fan. And it was a great day for the NFL. Love hanging with the family for sure. Uh, I've got a really big family, especially my extended family. My dad's got 13 brothers and sisters. My mom's got five other brothers and sisters, so I have a ton of cousins. So growing up, Thanksgiving was pretty insane because we'd go to our grandparents' house. And with that many cousins, it was just like the best time ever. You're playing with all your your friends who happen to be your cousins that you don't get to see all the time. And we played football and we'd eat a ton of food. It was awesome. So growing up in a big family like that, a big extended family, really drove home how much I enjoyed being a part of the family for Thanksgiving and how important it was. So for me, it was, it's a big thing. Yeah. I really love, love the family aspect of Thanksgiving as well. And with all the cousins that I have now that we're older, they all have kids and it's just exploded. So you can imagine what an event like the holidays could be for uh, my extended family. And of course, most of all, love the food, turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, dinner rolls, pie, love it all. Love Thanksgiving. Also love Thanksgiving just as a reminder that I've got a lot to be thankful for. And when I have a thankful like attitude towards things, it kind of makes things a little bit better. So, yeah, I just love the kind of the spirit of of being thankful and the thankfulness that comes from this time of year. Really love doing the podcast and I'm very thankful for everyone that's downloaded, listened, shared, been a guest, played in the 216 Weekly. I really just want to say thank you. And I am truly grateful for all that's come out of 216. It's honestly really helped me find my place in the community, helped me understand and how to deal with tilt. And I've also met a ton of great people. So thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate everyone here. And uh, I appreciate everyone taking the time to, to listen. All right. So what's going on? League season five, regular season wrapping up. Week seven is actually two weeks. Uh, we are in our final week now of co-op animizer. Lots of playoff spots have been clinched and uh, we'll run through them here. So in the invitational, we've got the light world CAC division, the pugs 10 and two, and the last locationers 10 and four all wrapped up. They have playoff spots. Uh, Pugs can win the division with a win, I think. One win will win them division. They have two games left. If they lose both, there's some sort of tiebreaker between them and the last locationers that I don't know about. So one of those two teams will win the division, but both are locked for the playoffs. In the Lost Woods, we have Triple Clown Fiesta at nine and five, Potato Pouch at eight and five, and the Eastern Skippers at eight and five. Those three teams have locked up their playoff spots. The last spot looks like it's going to go to either Team Hime or Validation Chest Boots. Hime, according to looking at Structural Mike's playoff prediction thing, statistics sheet that he posts in the League Discord, Hime has got a 75% chance of getting that four spot. I think they just need Validation Chest Boots to lose one of their two final games to a TM32 God Route. All right, in the... Dark World, Skull Woods. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to come back to Skull Woods because there's a lot to talk about there. Misery Mire Division. We've got the Divine Beastie Boys at 13 and 1. That's my team. We've clinched number one seed in the playoffs for the Dark World. Uh, Bottles on Empty is also in. They have an 87% chance of finishing second. They're 9 and 3. 
two infinity and Pagog is nine and four. And then the fourth place team also with a, a playoff lock is don't forget to track us at seven and six. So the misery Meyer division is set. Okay. Back to skull woods. Okay. Dudes is the only team that has clinched a playoff spot and first place in their division. They're 10 and two. There's one team that's not making the playoffs and it's the missing playoffs team. Formerly sphere affinity They're They've been relegated, which is insane to me. P train GFE and Sabotender relegated from the invitational. Didn't see that one coming, but they're missing the playoffs. Uh, next up is he came from. They are currently five and seven, and they have a six percent chance of making the playoffs. So they still have a shot, but it's unlikely. Go also five and seven based off of tiebreakers. They have a fifteen percent chance of making the playoffs. So unlikely. Then we have three teams currently with eighteen points. Beats from the East are six and seven, so they have one more race to do. WJPDTB is six and six. They still have two races to do. And JKLOL is six and six with 18 points. And they still have two races to do. And then Be Gone Pot is seven and five. And they still have two races to do. So there's gonna be a lot of a lot of stuff settled here. So WJPDDP, I'll never get that name right, is racing Begone Pot. JKLOL is facing Go. Okay, dudes are playing he came from and missing playoffs are playing beats from the east. And according to Structural Mike, Big on Pot has a 92% chance of making the playoffs. They're currently second place. JKLOL has a 75% chance of making the playoffs. They're currently in third place. And WJPDTB has a 71% chance of making the playoffs. They're currently in fourth place. Those are the four teams that are currently locked in. Now, Beats from the East has a 41% chance. So they need to win their last race against missing playoffs. And then they need stuff to happen. I don't know exactly what they're on the outside looking in currently, but they have a shot. So there's four teams for three spots. Technically go and he came from can still sneak in, but realistically it's those four teams vying for the three spots. It's bananas. Yeah. Playoffs, uh, playoffs are going to be fun. So the invitational will be off next week. Uh, there'll be a week break for Invitational, and the Open playoffs will start next week. Now, in the Open, top two teams from each division will clinch a playoff spot. If you're the first seed, you get a bye week. Then, wildcard entries to bring the total to 12 in each conference are added to the playoffs. Currently, in the Pendant Conference, Farm Friends at 9-4, and four, Crystal Roller Crew at 9-3, and three, Asai at 9-4, and four, Kabuki Hundo Activist Department at 9-4, and four, Amish Paradise at 10 and 2, Aga's Backup Dancers at 10 and 3, and Pass the Picanha at 9 and 3 are all locked for the playoffs. And that means there are five more spots available in the Pendant Conference. In the Crystal Conference, Blue Trinex Group at 11 and 3, Great Name Pending at 10 and 4, Rage Against the Minettes at 9 and 4, Spoiler Luck at 9 and 5, the German team with the volleyball problem, I can't pronounce their name, is 10 and 2. No Shovel, No Go Mode is 10 and 2. Reliable Archery Aces is 10 and 2. Die Nyson Gregor is 9 and 4. There's four more spots left in the Crystal Conference as we wrap up this final week of the league. So excited about all of it. Playoffs are super fun. And I know the Open doesn't get a ton of coverage during the regular season just because there are so many matches. But I do know that speed gaming will pick up a lot more matches during the playoffs since there aren't as many matches being played. So it'll be cool to see the open coverage on speed gaming and the ALTTPR league 
uh, channels as well as the Invitational playoffs. So I'd like to hear some predictions. Who do you have uh, as the favorite in the Invitational? Is it the Divine Beastie Boys with the 13-1 and record, or are we going to go out in the first round? Pugs are obviously a super strong team and, and is definitely going to be one of the favorites. The last location years with Scottish Brave, Structural Mike, and Zen Arcane cannot be underestimated. They won their Invitational spot last season and have shown that they're one of the best teams in the Invitational. So... Love to hear who you think is going to be in the finals in both the Invitational and the Open. I can't make a prediction in the Invitational because I'm on one of the teams. And if I predict my team to win, it sounds awful. And if I don't predict my team, it sounds awful. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away from that. So I'm not going to make any predictions for the Invitational this season. But I'd love to hear who you think is going to be in the finals. All right, that's a lot. Let's get to the show. Today on the show, we've got Boing. Blaine was someone that when I first came up with the idea of doing the show, I was going to try to get on early. We're in season three. <laughs> I wish I got him on earlier. Blaine is just one of those guys that, as I talk about in the interview, I was one of the first people that I really looked up to in the community. He was an approachable person, kind of an everyman, right? Really good at the game. He didn't have the like clout as someone like Andy did, right? Like Andy is super approachable too, as you get to know him, but he's like a celebrity in the community. Uh, Boyne is just an everyman. He's a Clark Kent, but he's got the Superman powers. And so I was really drawn to, to Boyne early on, and I was very excited to get a chance to talk to him. And we had a great conversation. I love hearing from Boyne. Boyne's got lots of opinions. Boyne's not afraid to share those opinions. And he's very mild-mannered through it all, so he doesn't come off abrasive, but it has some strong opinions. And I love, I love hearing what he has to say. And... I love that he was able to get the chance to come on the show and, and share it. Before we get to the interview, though, I do want to talk about the bonus episodes that are available to all Twitch subs. Again, I mentioned this last episode, but if you are subscribed to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash and underscore, you get access to a special channel in the Discord, and I post 10 to 15 minute long bonus episodes that are available exclusively to the subs there the same day that the episodes are dropped. I want to remind everyone, everyone will have access to these episodes. I'll release them at the end of the season in one giant episode. But if you want early access to these bonus episodes and you want to support me in the show, uh, subscribe to my Twitch channel and you can get access to those episodes. All right, let's get to Boyne. All right, Boyne, I'm super excited to have you on the show uh, for multiple reasons. I, I really value your opinion, but you were like one of the first people that I really looked up to in the community when I first got here. It's like, oh, I want to be like Blaine <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how long you got into the community before I did. And we'll, I guess we'll find out here, but it felt like, wow, this guy has gotten really good, really fast. And I, I kind of want to be like him. So thank you so much for, for coming on here, man. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, it's been great to listen to all the episodes. I, I got to admit, when I first heard, hey, Fear's doing a, a rando podcast, I was like, boy, how do you have enough content to fill a <laughs> podcast all about rando? But right away, once you kind of announce, here's what it's going to be, I'm just going to be sitting people from the community down and talking to them. I was like, this is what we've needed for so long. I mean, this community's so old, and I feel like aside from like some of the, the, like the one or two real big celebrity like the andes of the community you don't really mm -hmm. know very much about anybody's story so just yeah you know all the names that i've seen around for so many years all the people you've had on the podcast so far it's been great hearing here's their background just gaming wise here's their life story here's 
how they moved from one place to the other. Here's how they got into Rando, et cetera, et cetera. It's been, it's been so good for the community overall. It's like the first thing in a long time that has brought our community together in a way. Like we, we started out very together and we've slowly just kind of been separating for a long time as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been really, really awesome just to, you know, kind of be on the sidelines and, and binge through when I've got some free time. So. Shout out to you for, <laughs> well, for doing it means, in the first place. I think we could just wrap the show up. I think that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a fantastic <laughs> outro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. Peace. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, that that was the goal, and you always kind of hope that you can accomplish the goal. Because honestly, the the more. I'm in this community, the less I give a shit about link to the past randomizer. And I think <laughs> you and I can relate on, on some of that levels. It's like, yeah, it's a, Somewhat, it's yes. a fun game, yeah. but you can burn yourself out with all the racing that you do, but it does bring a lot of people together. And like you said, there's been like a, people just sort of find their groups. Right. And so back in the day when we, when, when I started in 2018, everyone was playing together cause that was the way you raced. And now it's, fragmented and, and that's fine that's kind of whatever but it, it just feels different so yeah I, i'm really i'm really excited to hear other people's story and i'm very excited to hear your story because again i've you're someone that i looked up to like almost immediately just like the way oh, you well, handle yourself this is very just kind of a compliment it's a, fest <laughs> yeah sure. i guess uh we're gonna run out real fast but uh when, until we do it's gonna it's gonna be real feel good it's, it's actually funny because uh you invited me on the show and i was like oh i'd love to and then i'm like feel guilty because I put the podcast down and I haven't listened to a bunch of the season two episodes. So I was like, this is perfect. I've got a long business trip coming up. I'm going to spend a lot of time on the plane. I'll download all the episodes I haven't listened to. I'll, I'll burn through them just so I can be like, yeah, I'm definitely staying up to date. I'm listening to the podcast. And I felt so guilty because one of the first ones I loaded up that I hadn't listened to was Matt's and Matt spends like 10 minutes saying such great things about me. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here not <laughs> listening to his, to his episode until yeah. So like the the last day, like catching up on the on the homework assignment or something like that. So, um, I, I it was not the first time that my the, the the my name came up on you know some of the interviews. So it's just it's I felt a little remiss. Like I'm not following along with all the stories, and yet here these people are saying great things about me. Here's you saying like you looked <laughs> yeah. up to me early on in the community. Yeah. So, um, look, it, it's uh, we all had those first people like that we mm-hmm. you know found their channels or they were racing a lot. You know, if you came on board the rando scene in late 2017 to mid to late 2018, I was streaming every day so I could understand Mm -hmm. how you'd find like my channel or whatever. But I've tried to. I'm old like you, like we're pretty old. I don't think I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm a couple of years younger than you, but I'm 38. I've been online for a long time. I know what I like to watch online and I know like the people and streams who I don't like to watch and I've tried mm. to like emulate that in, in, you know, when you feel yourself getting too angry or emotional or upset or tilted or whatever, I'm like, I really don't want to be doing this on stream. Cause these are yeah. the guys I don't like to listen to on stream. Not that everything has to be relentlessly positive, but you right. just try to be real. Cause people can tell when you're not being real. People can yeah. tell when you're just faking a reaction for, for clicks or when you're trying to, you know, you're really angry, but you don't want to display any anger or get mad or something like that. So just be real. And uh, I don't have 
any time or patience for the other way. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we only know them through the streams, right? So it's like you get just <laughs> exactly. a fraction of who they are. And again, this is what I've loved about the podcast is I'm going to be talking to people that are maybe a little bit more divisive or have, I don't know, there's, I, everyone's got a cool story, right? And I feel like when you yeah. can humanize people a little bit, it can kind of take some of that edge off. And that's kind of what I, I hope to do. Um, not that everybody's going to be great, but I don't know, even people I don't like, I, I'm looking forward to have on the show eventually. And, uh, uh I know, like the, the, the eventually in there. Okay, good. So this is eventually the start of that. people you don't I mean, like. There's so many everybody people else who's, everybody who's come so far is safe. Everybody who's yet <laughs> yes. to come. You're in trouble. Possibly. Yes. Possibly. I don't <laughs> like you, but at least I invited you on the show. Right. Um, so let's, let's get to you. Let's start, let's start with your story. What's your gaming history when you were a kid? Like you said, we're, we're similar ages. You're a couple years younger than I am, but, uh, what did you grow up playing? So one of my, um, earliest, I don't actually know if it's a memory because you know, when you're really little memory is Mm -hmm. that weird thing is, did I just hear the story enough or is it an actual memory? Um, but I can remember or whoever that's worth sitting around my grandfather's house somebody had just purchased a, an NES and mm. all my aunts and uncles, uh, my mom was the third child of eight. So I have a lot of aunts and uncles on that side of the family. All my aunts and uncles sitting around my grandfather's living room, playing the Nintendo, trying to get Mario past world one, one. <laughs> and so somebody takes the controller and they run into the mm-hmm. first Goomba and they pass the controller, to the next person, and they run into the first Goomba and then, they pass the controller and they run to the first Goomba and then somebody <laughs> finally jumps over the Goomba and falls in the first pit or something like that. So I mm-hmm. have a very vivid memory of that. So my gaming goes all the way back to the NES and Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda. And I can remember playing games like playing Mario 2 before going to you know elementary school um, mm. and, you know, telling my mom, like, I'm pausing it here. It's time to go to school. Don't turn the game off. I'm going to play more when I come back, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so it, it, it goes all the way back to the NES. Played a lot of NES as a kid. It was basically like video games and sports were just my mm. life as, you know, for the first 15, 16 years of my life and then less sports and more video games, I guess, at that point. Sure. But uh, so yeah, the NES was my favorite Nintendo? system. Yeah, yeah pretty much like I, I was one of those kids that was Nintendo good, Sega bad. Mm, and yes, I played Sega yes. a lot at friend's house. Like we'd go over a friend's house and they'd have a Genesis and you'd play a little Sonic, you'd play, uh, Sonic and you'd play a little um, Road Rash or, or um, uh, Twisted Metal, like the, the Sega mm. games that, you, you know, you didn't have any access to. And you were always just like, oh, mine is, I'm a Nintendo fan. Like I play Nintendo. Yeah. But, you know, as long as I'm here, I'll play a little bit of Sega on this. <laughs> right. Toe Jam and Earl was that for me. Like, I always wanted to play oh. Toe Jam and Earl because it wasn't available on the Super Nintendo. But I always I thought it was like the coolest game that I didn't have. <laughs> yeah, like Next, the Super Nintendo. W- oh, yeah, that's uh, see, I don't there's a lot of like the Genesis catalog that I have never even really been exposed to. Mm. If it was at a friend's house and I played it for like one you know play through for an hour then i was lucky um i eventually did like on emulator or whatever went back played a bunch mm-hmm. of the sonics and stuff like that but sure. a lot of that catalog is unknown to me when i was nine or ten is when the super nintendo came out and so like that was then the dominant 
uh, even more so than the NES. That was like, because I was blockbuster age. So every mm. week we're going to blockbuster yeah. and we're getting a new game. And th- that mm-hmm. was the Super Nintendo. I was like, basically from the start of the Super Nintendo's lifespan to the end of it, I was getting a game from blockbuster every week or two and playing a new game. So I've played so much of that catalog, um, mm-hmm. more so than any of the others. And that that's, you know, after that, then it becomes more just a, a homogenous, you know, N64 eventually like PlayStation two F you know, in their GameCube. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I kind of transitioned to mainly PC games after a long enough time. Like once I started playing games on the PC, I'm woefully behind on my console games. Um, like even Zelda wise, <laughs> the last Zelda I played was Wind Waker. I have not oh, played wow. a Zelda entry since Wind Waker, despite really? being the a, a pretty big one? Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh wow! It's been it's been a long time. I haven't owned. Um, I actually have a Switch now. I actually won a Switch in a contest, and I have played it for a total of. Well, it's probably I probably got it almost about a year ago. I've played. Tetris 99, maybe a total of like six times. I think I bought Breath of the Wild and I have not booted it up yet. Now, part of that is just I don't have the time to game very much right now. And part of it Mm -hmm. is just I like to invest my time now in games that I can invest lots of time in. Mm -hmm. Um, So just like uh, if I played any MMOs anymore, it would be an MMO where you could just log in every day and do stuff for months or... Mm -hmm. Rocket League, where you can log on and play a game anytime you want, and you can play it for years, or some mm-hmm. some first person shooter like Counter Strike or Apex Legends, like something I can put hundreds of hours into. It's not so appealing to me to be like, look, Breath of the Wild is going to be a great game if I ever sit down and play it. I know that I will enjoy it, but it's so finite mm-hmm. that even if I put fifty, sixty hours in, I know like that's sort of like the upper limit, and it mm-hmm. is just. These days, again, I'm like an old, grumpy gamer. Um, it just doesn't appeal to me as much as yeah. something I could put hundreds, like like to the past. Like, oh, I can just right. play this as much as I want and I'll keep getting better at it. I'm in. But couldn't you apply that to Breath of the Wild too? I mean, like as a speed run or I mean, any game at this point, like, I mean, Link to the Past has is is finite, right? It's a short hour and a half game. Yes. But so, you, we grind it over and over again. So... I have zero, maybe even negative interest in learning another speed run. So mm. that is not an avenue. I know I what see. will happen partially if I go down that path already. Like, <laughs> I know it will happen. Like, if you ask me right now, if I could trade all of the hours I've put into Link to the Past and just, like, have that skill transfer into anything else in life, <laughs> I would do it. Now, I've had Mm. a good time playing Link to the Past, and it's been a lot of fun, but I understand, like, ultimately, I don't want to say waste of time. It's not a waste of time. It's a hobby, whatever. But, like, if I just put the 5,000 hours that I've played Link to the Past into learning to play the guitar, Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I couldn't sit here and say I would not be as happy. I I might be more happy. It certainly would be more transferable as I, you know, continue to live my life and get older or whatever. So I am not interested in really, like, and if I did sit down and play another speedrun, I would want to be the best or close to the Good best at it. So it wouldn't, <laughs> right. it wouldn't be like, right. I, I don't think I could it. satisfy. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to satisfy myself with just, oh, you know, like I learned this speedrun and I can beat the game pretty quickly now. So right. I, I have no interest in another speedrun. And I, I just like, I have finite um, resources when it comes to time to game. Mm-hmm. So like 
a game that I can put time into and then know that if I have to put it down, it'll still be there for me to play and enjoy, you know, two years from now, the same as it is now. And, and all that I did kind of continues to build and, and get better. So like skill-based games like that, I played a lot of Starcraft two back in the day. It was kind of the same okay. concept, like, Oh, a game I could put lots of time into and get better. And I see myself doing this for a year or two years or three years. So I don't know what quite when I crossed over into that mindset, but that's certainly how I prefer to, to pick and choose my games these days. Is it also because you can just pick it up and then also put it down, right? Like maybe, or is sure. it because like games like breath of the wild or anything have some sort of like story element where here's the, here's the start, here's the end. And it's, that's it. Is that more along the lines of why you're not eager to invest time into that kind of stuff? <sighs> I, I, I need to hire somebody like psychoanalyze me to figure out what's going on. Cause I really <laughs> couldn't give you a good answer. I, I really couldn't. I've thought about it like briefly here and there and just been like, I, I know that when I think about playing those types of games, I don't have the interest, but I know that those are great games and I know they probably right. more often than not would be good experiences. Cause you know, I can, I can afford to sit there and wait three months and be like, Oh, everybody bought this game and loved it. But now I'm going to mm-hmm. buy it and I'm going to love it too. Yeah. And I, it's not like I'm spoiling myself. I'm not really watching tons of Twitch streams or anything like that. Um, so I know how with a high degree of confidence I could buy something and like it. Uh, I'll give you an example. Actually, one of the more recent, again, this is probably like 10 years ago, if maybe more portal two mm-hmm. was one of my favorite video game experiences that I've ever had. Um, and that game's like eight to 10 hours long. And I know mm. that there's other games like that out there that I could probably partake in. It just, I feel like it all comes back to the fact that I've got a lot in my life right now that interferes with gaming and sticking with something that is a known quantity that I've either already put lots of time into or know when I pick it up that it's something I could put endless amounts of time into. Like this, I could pick it up and this could be the last video game that I ever play. I'll just only play this for the rest of time. That sort of is more comfortable to me i guess in my brain right now <laughs> than i have to pick up every good 40 hour game and play them all to completion yeah that like that feels more treadmill like and, and i know it doesn't make sure. any sense i understand i understand i'm trying to put all of the pieces together because what you're saying i i relate to it in a lot of ways i used to play madden like back in the day like in the early 2000s to like 2008 I would just grind mm-hmm. Madden and this is pre playing it on. There was no internet t- version. Right, like right. You wouldn't play against people. So you just do like franchises or, or whatever and try to build the best franchise. And I remember just dominating that game and the franchises are endless. The years keep going. And at one point I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, I've just spent so many hours making my team the best on the hardest level. And it doesn't end and I don't know where I'm going, but I got to that point where I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So almost like in a reverse way, I like those games that are a little bit more finite so that I know that I'm right, that there isn't it. <laughs> so I don't have to like, pour my time. I into think it. your way makes more sense than mine to be quite to, to be completely <laughs> honest. Like that's way more easy to understand than, than my yeah. stupid idea. So I, I <laughs> look at some point, I, I guarantee you, I'm going to play Breath of the Wild. I'm going to pick up and play one of these other really good RPGs, uh, Disco Elysium or something like that, and be like, this is really good. I should have played this earlier. I just, it's like picking it up. 
is the hard part. Like playing mm. for that first time, it's like, well, how do I fit this in? I'll just keep doing mm-hmm. these games that I'm already doing. Sure. So as you started moving into the PC games, what was the first one? And then what kind of really sunk its teeth in you? Was it Starcraft? Um, there was definitely some Starcraft early on. So I was in high school and I had a computer computer maintenance course when I was, I guess I was 15 or so. So this is probably like 1997, mm-hmm. 98, somewhere around there. And not everybody in high school in the late 90s had a computer class. So that was pretty fortunate that we were being introduced to things like that in our high school. We had a computer maintenance class and all we really did was we built computers, networked them together and played StarCraft 1 for like 10 minutes until the class ended. And then we would mm-hmm. leave and we would do the same thing. We'd come back tomorrow. So StarCraft 1 had a, a, a place in our like circle of friends where it was just this fun game we played. I never played it competitively. I never watched it. I actually try to watch it now and it's just impossible to watch. <laughs> I don't know how people watched that game or really like any computer game from the late nineties. It's just very <laughs> yeah. neither here nor there. Anyway, there's a lot of better competitive games to watch these days in my opinion. But when Starcraft two came out, that was a thing to jump in because of Starcraft one. Um, the very first computer games I played were on an AOL service called GameStorm. Um, mm. that you had to pay an exorbitant fee per hour to play on, to play in. I don't remember what the rate was, but it was, it was dollars per hour to play, Jeez. to log into this service and play these games. And one of them, one of the games that was available was, uh, aliens online. And I was like 14 year old, 15 year old who, you know, liked the movie aliens. So, oh, here's a shooter mm-hmm. based on aliens. I'm going to go in. And it was a multiplayer. It was a first person shooter. Um, with no mouse support. So you had to like look around with the keyboard, <laughs> nice. which the skill ceiling was like ridiculously high for that. Um, mm-hmm. but like 20 or 30 people might be playing concurrently at one time. And, uh, there was another, uh, first person shooter called mage storm and it was a similar first person shooter, no mouse support keyboard only. And it was like, you're shooting wizard fireballs and they were all good in their own way. And, um, eventually game storm was like, oh wow, nobody really wants to pass you know, $4 per hour. So we're going to make our own service off of AOL. And there was this GameStorm.com, And, um, that was the start of my PC gaming. It was just like this little gaming community called GameStorm. Um, after that I played EverQuest and that was it. Like, oh yeah. Once I got into EverQuest, that was my first MMO. It was right before WoW. I was never a WoW player because I was an EverQuest player. Mm-hmm. And until Link to the Past came along, that is probably the game that I put the most hours of my life into so i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing that it's now been <laughs> eclipsed yeah um was that, but that did was you it. move on to everquest 2 when that came out or did, was that sort of played like a migration for a, thing played that for a month yes i did i played that okay. for a month i was like i the age that i am i was extremely online right around that time so like i was in a guild pre-release mm-hmm. for everquest 2 and everybody's super hyped about it. we're hanging out talking to eq2 all day and I played about a, a month of that and it really just came nowhere close to scratching the same itch as EQ. And mm. that's so like over the, over the decades that EQ has been a thing and they've had progression servers from, you know, the official, you know, Sony's release, like progression servers, come back and play EQ and you come back and you play a little bit and they've had uh, emulated servers and you go on, you kind of like recreate those glory days. But so I've been back and forth, like probably four or five times in my life, just to and from that game. Um, as, and cause I was like your first, if, if you're into MMOs, I don't know if you played that much wow or anything like that, but people who got into wow, was their MMO. First, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. you're lucky for it because like it's like an addiction. <laughs> like if you yeah. like that genre and you land in it, forget about it. You're you're done. What's mm. nice for me is because I got into one that's so old and stupid. Nobody really makes MMOs like that anymore. So I don't have mm. to worry about getting hooked to the newest one because if I go mm. and play Final Fantasy, for example, it's fun. And I play it for a tiny bit and then I'm like, not for me. Out of here. Wake me up when, you know, EQ3 is, is here. So, um, but really <laughs> yeah. from the moment I played EQ, that was it for me. Consoles were just kind of a, sure. n- not, not dead, but they were never going to be what PC gaming was um, for me. So what was it about EverQuest specifically and, and MMOs that really like pulled you in? Is it the community aspect? Is it the grinding? What, what was it? It was just uh, the, the fantasy world you know, like exploration, just not being given a, not being given a map and told here, go do this. It was more like you're in a world, go do whatever Mm -hmm. you want. And for someone who grew up playing NES games, when that was a lot of NES games were like, Mm -hmm. start, don't know what's going on. And you just kind of figure it (laughs) out. Legend of Zelda. Like how did you find where anything was in Legend of Zelda? (laughs) You just wandered around. And you, you tried to figure out what, what am I supposed to be doing here? I don't even really know. Like I've got <laughs> right. maybe this poorly translated handbook that I can read. Um, but I was probably playing Legend of Zelda before I could even read anyway. So that wasn't going to help me. Um, <laughs> right. That aspect kind of like recapturing a little bit of that, like just like pure, pure, such a stupid word to use there, but like pure gaming, whatever. Um, it was, it was just kind of like, I'm not going to hold your hand. Here you go. You're a, you're a, you know, a Dungeon and Dragons character out in this this uh, computer generated mm. world, and there's just oh, thousand other people running around just like you, and go figure out what you want to do. And so, like that was a very solid hook for me at that age. Like, yeah, I'm in. Sure, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you play an MMO, or whenever you go move on from your first, you're like min maxing everything. Like, well, if I spend three hours doing this, I get this much experience. And if I spend three and a half hours doing this, I get this much experience, but I also get this much gold and it becomes much less of a fun thing. So I I really don't play any other MMOs for that same kind of reason. It's like, oh, I I figured out all these formulas already. I just need to get to max levels fast as I can. Right. Right. But back in that day, you're like, you don't even care about max level. You're like, you see like level. 15 character running around when you're level three and you're like oh my god look at this guy's level 15 he's got like a red robe incredible so Mm -hmm. um it's just that unknown like i don't know what's out there beyond that pixelated mountain but i'd like to find Mm -hmm. out yeah i think that's what it was with breath of the wild for me because i hadn't played any other game like breath of the wild you know i haven't played Mm -hmm. skyrim or any of those other games because i'm such a nintendo nut or whatever uh, that when I played Breath of the Wild, it was that sense of exploration of like, I don't even know where to go. Like, what am I doing? You just kind of go and figure stuff out that you're talking about with EverQuest that that I had that same you know experience playing Breath of the Wild. So I, I understand the appeal of not having your handheld and also not super worried about like, how fast can I level up? <laughs> right. Like that yeah. is so annoying about games nowadays is and this is my old man hat speaking right like i put my very old hat old man hat on and complain about games these days but it's not it's not the same it's just not not quite the same like i played magic the gathering growing up and there was no internet you'd have to buy like magazines to like get deck deck list ideas and stuff and now when a new set came comes out i don't play it anymore but when a new set would come out everyone by the time 
it was out, everyone already knew all of the best cards and all of the best decks. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, what's the point anymore? There's no like exploration or, or finding anything. Yeah, you so, remove yeah. that little bit of mystery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's I, something I, fun I, I can about identify with that. I, I did mm. not announce when I was putting my old man hat on, but I, I basically showed up to, to, this, uh, <laughs> sure. to this episode wearing it. So <laughs> right. uh, mine's on as well. I tried to disguise the fact that I'm an old man, but uh, <laughs> you're right. It's been on the entire time. Uh, all right. So what about streaming? Did you start watching YouTube or Twitch through um, different games before Link to the Past? It was StarCraft 2 when they were doing a lot of stuff on Justin TV. Um, okay. So I would watch a lot of StarCraft 2, watch a lot of... I actually don't even remember like what specifically I watched or if like did they even have personal user streams on Justin TV. I, I don't remember those days that much. Um, I just remember I watched a lot of StarCraft 2 competitive. Um, a lot of uh, Day 9 was big. If you were in mm. the StarCraft 2 community, you watched a lot of Day sure. 9 stuff. Uh, but he was more towards the YouTube side of things and not the Justin TV slash Twitch side. I don't remember exactly when they flipped over to Twitch mm-hmm. or, you know, if anything even really changed for me or I just kept doing the same stuff. But Twitch was almost exclusively for me StarCraft 2. That's the only reason I was okay. there. It's the only, re- only thing I was watching um, for probably the first couple years that I was even on the platform. Mm-hmm. Did, and, did it move on to anything else or was it then linked to the past that kind of got you? So, yeah, there's like a period of mystery. All I can tell you is at some point I landed on um, Speed Gaming Channel. And they were playing, not Link to the Past, but they were playing Zelda 1 Randomizer. And I was in the stream, I don't, it was probably early 2017, and I think there was a Zelda 1 tournament happening at that same time. So I tuned into some game for that Zelda 1 2017 spring tournament. Um, And I said, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Because (laughs) Zelda 1 is one of my favorite games. And mm-hmm. if you can just randomize where everything is in Zelda 1, you get to play Zelda 1 brand new whenever you'd want to. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever you want, you can just, I want to play Zelda 1. I wish I could erase my memories so I didn't know where anything was. Well, you can kind of do that with the randomizer. You can just be like, <laughs> right. randomize where all stuff is. Now I got to go figure it out again. Yeah. So, I said, this is the greatest thing. I have to play this. I have to follow this tournament. This looks so amazing. This is so fun. And I'm sure that led me to stumble onto Link to the Past Randomizer. And like everyone else you've had on this show, when you stumble upon Link to the Past Randomizer, the first thing that strikes you is like, this game is designed to be randomized. Mm -hmm. Um, In a way that even me looking at Zelda 1 Randomizer and going like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, to just like probably a couple weeks later, Seeing Link to the Past randomized, I'm like, oh no, this works even better. This mm-hmm. this is even better. Like, look look at how perfectly <laughs> all these things line up. Um, so I don't think I ever even tried back then Zelda One randomizer because I so quickly stumbled into Link to the Past. It was mm-hmm. like before I had even the time to like get playing myself, I stumbled into a completely new randomizer and was watching a lot of the spring tournament for that one and. Yeah. Then by that summer, I'm playing, running my own seeds and, you know, trying to learn where everything is. And then later that year, I can remember actually like um, I got married in 2017 in September. And I think that there was a 
fall tournament or something like that happening around. Then I wasn't able to join and try and qualify or whatever the procedure was back then. But I said, I'm going to come back for my honeymoon and I'm going to start joining races. And basically like a couple of weeks after my honeymoon, I'm joining my first races on, uh, on SRL. And so that was, that was the start for me. So this is late 2017. You said, yeah, I think my first SGL race was like early October in 2017. SRL. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which, which was, which was like, everybody complains about the IRC thing, but me being an old man gamer, I'm coming from so much IRC culture in games. Mm. Like I was like, oh, this is on IRC. Great. I know IRC. This is amazing. Sure. So when you, when you discover it, you do then like, how long does it take you for you, for you to start playing your first seed and like rediscovering it? Did you, are you the type? Because this is my guess, if I was to guess what you were like, is you discover it, you play it, and you try to get good at it pretty fast. Is that right? Yeah, so I was hooked right away when I saw the concept. I was hooked when I saw the concept of racing. Like, that's even cooler. Like, somebody could have just showed Mm -hmm. it to me, and I'd been like, amazing. But the race aspect, the competitive aspect, very cool. I'm very competitive anyway, so, like, that's immediately going to appeal to me. Um, I don't know exactly how long it took me to start playing. Um, after I'd watched mm-hmm. enough, I was like, I'm going to try and finish a seed. Like, that's how we all start. Can I finish? And mm-hmm. like the first three or four, no, you can't finish. <laughs> you, you forgot mm-hmm. this location. You're looking at the spoiler like, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's an item there. <laughs> or, oh, I yep. forgot. I can get to there with that item. So like the same thing that we all did when we first started trying. Uh, so that was probably the summer 2017. Then, like I said, then the whole wedding's happening, you know, uh, honeymoon, come back and like. Guess what, wife? I'm going to start playing video games online. <laughs> oh, let me <laughs> tell you, she's <laughs> very happy that I discovered Link to the Past randomizer. Let me tell you. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, hope she never so how did that first race episode. go? Do you remember? Um, I, I don't think it was too bad. I do remember finishing. Um, I've probably pulled it up on SRL before. I, I should have looked it up now because just so I'm educated in my own history. But um, I'm sure I took me over two hours. I'm sure it was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I lost. Maybe I didn't get last place or something like that. But I, I definitely had reached a an okay, acceptable skill level mm-hmm. just playing my own seeds. I probably played like 30, maybe even 40 seeds before I jumped into the competitive okay. side. Mm-hmm. So I, I was not awful. I mean, I was awful, but not to the point where like I can't even finish seeds right. so i had gotten right. to a pretty respectable level for a first time racer but mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure it, it took at least a a few dozen tries to start paying dividends in a race did you find your community in in the rando community like your part your people uh pretty quickly or were you kind of isolated and just kind of like i'm gonna do this in the corner type of thing yeah, I think I, I didn't really jump in. I, I'm much more, and let's see how to put this. Uh, I don't, You're a lone I'm okay wolf. to just kind of sit on the sidelines, like, like watch. Just, <laughs> I had a lot of people like to watch. Yeah. I watched a lot of TGH. Actually, mm-hmm. the first, the first person I ever watched, I can remember was Benteezy. Oh, Benteezy okay. was like the first stream that I ever street turned into, tuned into like multiple times. Like, oh, he's playing another one. I'll go watch. And he was good friends with TGH. So there was a lot of like TGH interaction between him. And so I'm eventually I'm watching TGH. And honestly, like I just, I tried to watch like the top players of that time. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of like, a lot of my intro to the community was just watching the top players streams. So you're watching a lot of Christos. You're watching a lot of TGH. You're watching a lot of El Magus. 
you're watching mm-hmm. a lot of Ink Nun back then, um, Kransoon, Ajneb, like the guys who were just at the top mm-hmm. by default because like so few of us knew anything we were doing back then. And, and even those guys really, <laughs> we had no idea how to play the game back then. So you can go watch <laughs> tournament matches right. from back then and be like, yeah. Dude, these guys were good. Like, what are they thinking? <laughs> right. um, but yeah. I digress. I don't think until like 2018, we'd really started to scratch the surface of figuring out how to play. So back then it was just the wild west. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like me hanging out in the, in the best players streams, seeing what they did and how they did it. And there, I liked guys who talked about what they were doing, who explained like, I could do this or I could do this. And here's why I'm going to choose mm-hmm. that. So there were some streams that were more focused on that I tended to gravitate towards the good players who didn't have big stream communities because the bigger streamers, they have to interact with chat a lot. They're not really right. walking through their thought process so much. And as a newer player, I was just like, I wanted to sponge up as much as I could. So mm-hmm. I liked the, I, I liked the streamers who were either going to do that in front of their big audience or who, you know, didn't have a really big audience and they were just going to do it anyway. Um, right. And then there were some guys who didn't even talk at all on their stream and you just watched them to see like, either their execution or what they're doing, but they didn't interact at all. And you still could get some stuff out of that. But I've tried to put that, you know, like I always really liked streamers who did that with this game. So it's kind of what I've tried to model it after. Like I'm going to talk through all my options. I'm going to explain what mm-hmm. I'm doing. I'm going to figure out out loud. And it helps me honestly talk about my options out loud. I've noticed like I'm, I, I feel like I tend to make more mistakes, um, smaller routing decision mistakes like oops i forgot to even consider that when i'm like racing in a tournament because it's just emote only and i'm not talking and i'm like boy this is not helping me not verbalizing <laughs> what my options are right now or my right. choices um so I, that, that's happened to me like more than once i was like if i was talking like to just like four people right now i'd probably be doing better because i wouldn't have forgotten that you know hammer opens up that thing like an idiot so mm-hmm. I've tried to kind of model that off of what I really liked that first couple months of being in the community, watching these guys and just sponging up as much information as I could. Yeah. And you're great at, at, uh, at helping runners figure out how to get better. Cause I remember, I think I learned spooky action from you by being in your stream just because you were willing to like, Oh, like what the heck is this? I remember when it was like first a thing and then like, mm-hmm how the hell am I ever going to do that? I had no idea. And you're like, Oh, it's not that, it's not that hard. Just do this, this, this. And then you kind of walked it through. So that was pretty cool. So as you are being a sponge and, you know, soaking up all these good runners, did you find that your play uh, level increased pretty quickly? Were you putting a lot of races in and, and then did you start joining tournaments? Well, so the first tournament that I joined, again, I, I missed the spring 2017 tournament, which was like the first question mark, maybe not the first, but the first like big post explosion, you know, as, as Rando started to become a, a real thing. I think the 2017 fall tournament was the big mm-hmm. one to that point. Mm-hmm. I missed the being able to play in that. So I joined the key sanity tournament right after the key sanity okay. mode came out. It was like December end of the year, 2017, mm-hmm. early 2018, something like that. I joined the Keysanity tournament. That was, I had not been racing for very long, but Keysanity was pretty cool. A bunch of us who got real into Keysanity, like when it was a mode, were playing a lot of it, like um, Big Dunka and Problems IRL. Um, so that's when I started getting into like people like Dunka's stream, like, oh, he likes Keysanity a lot. He's playing a lot of Keysanity. I'm going to play a lot of Keysanity too. So I joined the Keysanity t- um, tournament. 
I did not make whatever the cutoff was. I think I probably went like, if it was seven rounds of Swiss, which I think it was, I went like three and four or something like that. But I was definitely really enjoying just the way racing worked. Even when you lose, like you have things that you come out of with positives. And even when you win, sometimes you come out of a race with negatives. And there's always mm-hmm. trying to figure out that like signal to noise ratio. Cause it's one of the hardest things to do is interpret your results. Like it's right. not a binary, like you won, therefore these were all correct or you lost. Therefore you made all the wrong <laughs> right. decisions. Yeah. It's, it's not binary like that. And it's very, very difficult with a high degree of certainty to figure out what, what is this seed trying to tell me? Like maybe it's not trying to tell me anything or maybe I did make a critical error. Maybe I thought it was a 50-50 and I go into chat afterwards and I'm like, yeah, I got randoed. And really, if you consider all the variables, maybe it was more like 57-43 and you should have picked this one instead. So there's so much data and information and it's all being delivered to us imperfectly. And that's just such a cool hook for me. It's like a living, breathing Mm -hmm. math problem that you're trying to solve and it's not solvable, but you're so (laughs) stubborn, you're going to try. Right. so I joined the Key Sanity Tournament right after that's the NMG tournament. I joined the NMG tournament, start practicing some NMG early 2018. Completely bomb out of that tournament because my computer power supply basically shuts off during a critical race. That was fun. Um, oh, geez. And then like, so 2018 was like the year of me really trying to just, all right, I've established myself. I know what I'm doing, but now I'm watching streams like TGH and Elmagus and all those top guys. And I'm saying like, ooh, I wouldn't do this here. And so like, I'm starting to notice like these little things like this is not what I would do. Maybe they're not playing optimally. Maybe I just have learned enough where I'm saying like, maybe I'm reaching a point that I can be better than these guys. Not execution wise yet, obviously, but just like that's also a hook, right? Like you don't have to be as good as these players right. execution wise yep. if you're making better choices or even if you're just, hey, one time out of three this selection just wins me the game right here. How cool is that? So there's a big hook for that too. But yeah, that was the 2018 was really like the time. Like, okay, let's, let's play this all the damn time and see how good we can. (laughs) You mentioned the NMG tournament. Was that because of the people that you were hanging out with or, or were watching? And then did, did the NMG hook kind of get into you, even though you weren't able to, to really participate then? So there were, um, a, a couple people, my memory is really bad since like, um, I'm old, so I don't <laughs> specifically remember like the exact order of operations here, but um, around the time the Key Sanity tournament came out, there were a couple people that I'd really liked to watch at that point, and they got into Key Sanity, and we're all playing and getting ready for that tournament, and uh, one of them is like, because it's an MG tournament coming up too, I'm going to join that, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, I should get on, you know, I should work on my execution, let's see what I can get out of NMG, and so um, I joined just basically because like he had suggested like he's going to join it, let, let me join it too, and um, that player went on to be Eriver. Um, mm. so he gets me into NMG and of course, yes, I spent most of my NMG career chasing his PBs. Um, never, <laughs> sure. I think I got a one thirty faster than he did. And then that was oh. it. I was behind for the rest of my <laughs> <Yeah>. career. <laughs> um, Understandable. Yeah. But I, even though I bombed out of the NMG tournament, um, it, I put so much time into NMG pre-tournament, like that was kind of the intro. It wasn't the tournament itself, mm, like, and I was not going to go very far. I think I probably had like a 132 or something like that at the time of the tournament anyway. So mm-hmm. like I was not a threat to do anything, um, but I, I would have gotten out of groups if I was playing with, you know, actual reliable hardware. But 
I was still an <laughs> emulator back then, so whatever. Um, so it was just like that, the little hook of playing NMG, getting a PB, getting your PB better pre-tournament. That's really the, the real hook there. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much like, oh, I did so well in the tournament. No, I'm going to get bombed by most of the players in here. <laughs> right, right. But right. you could see right away, like, so I've always kind of likened it to Mario Kart. Uh, I used to love Mario Kart back in the day. I used to love playing against my friends. I used to love playing time trials. And that's kind of the split to me. Rando is more like Mario Kart with your friends. Sometimes you're going to get hit with the blue shell and you're going to have to Mm -hmm. deal with it and not bitch about how this is not fair and I'm so much better and I can boost better than you, but (laughs) you get blue shells and lightning. Like, get out of here if you're going to be at. But then you want to go play that mode, go play time trials. Time trials was so fun for me to play. Like when I was a kid, not playing with my friends because you're just trying to get better and better, trying to do Mm -hmm. it the best you can. So that's always kind of been what NMG is to me. It's the time trials of link to the past mario kart mm-hmm. that's nice i like that comparison uh so you said 2018 is your kind of your ascent right like we can admit on this podcast you're good at the game like I, you know some people are always like kind of wishy-washy of like duh, 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 duh. you're good you're like really good at this game yeah both in nmg and in rando so in 2018 i'm not gonna let you get away with like yeah am i am i kind of you know I'm like, the, the humble <laughs> bullshit can go away you're one of the best 2018 was that sort of your big rise did you feel did you start winning more tournament races and and things like that 2018 is definitely like where i figured out the the style that i wanted to play more than more than anything and yes like Mm -hmm. i i put a lot of time into just my ability at the game i played a lot of nmg Mm -hmm. it was kind of back and forth it was always fun to me to mix like i'm gonna play random i'm gonna play nmg i'm gonna play random i'm gonna play nmg and so there was a lot of back and forth that let me get better at the game. Um, and I, I definitely don't think I peaked in 2018. I, I think probably 2019, 2020, I was just a better player from having played more. But sure. 2018 is really like more where I dedicated a lot more time um, to the game. And just, I don't think I saw necessarily the tournament results because, you know, tournaments are always going to be what they are. Um, mm-hmm. But just, I played so much. I was in so many races, playing a lot of the weeklies, a lot of the dailies, and just being able to just, again, try and still try to sponge up as much info. Those, those big races back in the day were so key. I would not be anywhere as good at the game if I was starting out now and then mm. put the same number of races in from now until whatever date in the future. Because you got so much more information from those big races, like finishing 17th out of 74 in one of the Saturday weeklies. You got so much information there based on your own finish, based on your own performance, based on the meta. You got a better idea of what the overall meta was like in the community because that's got to inform a lot of your decisions. Like, what is the meta right now? That's kind of where you start with when you're making a decision. Like, I'm not going to skip Kakariko because... Everyone goes to Kakariko. Forget about the, the, the um, you know, the lucrative status of someplace with a lot of items. But if someone's, if everyone's going to do a thing, you've got to know that before you commit to doing it or not. Right. You just got so much more information than a ladder race. I lost by 12 minutes. What did I really learn? I won by 12 minutes. What did I really learn? I, I don't know how players who are starting now or starting a year ago are getting as good as they are because people are still joining the community and they're still getting really mm-hmm. good. 
I would have to find a different way to do it because the way <laughs> right. I did it wouldn't work anymore. Sure. You just didn't have that sure. level of information. You'd have to spend, you'd have to just have the resources to, to pick up that intelligence and that ability somewhere else versus, you know, mm-hmm. how I did it, which is basically just being handed to you every time you play the game. Here's, here's more right. information than you can handle. So there's pre-ladder and post-ladder. You've been around enough time for, to, to experience both. Do you prefer the pre-ladder days? Not This is not indictment of Dunka because, again, the ladder is an awesome thing. There's no denying that. But it's also a change in the way that we race because back when, we, when I started and you were playing, you mentioned 75 people races was pretty common on a, on a weekend. Um, even during the week, we'd get 30, 40, 50 people playing. Um, do you miss those, those days? I mean, from a nostalgia purpose, from a nostalgia perspective, of course, like I, that's the community to me, like the, the, the the best state that the game was in was in those days where we had big daily races, where we had big weekly races and nobody played these stupid modes that I'm terrible at, like cross keys wasn't a thing. (laughs) Right. Just like everybody played the regular modes and I could just focus (laughs) on those. Back in my day, it was a lot better. Um, <laughs> it's a different era. Like, look, when the ladder came along, we desperately needed it. Um, yes. desperately like this goes back to ladder came around a little bit after, or maybe like coincided with the first council. And I remember mm-hmm. that first council being convened and like the admins had fallen months behind on some critical community stuff, you know, glitch review, even just like cheating status of, of certain players around the community. We really needed that council. We, we need some other people to come in and make some decisions. And one of the things I remember feeling also was we need like to bring to, to centralize the community again because it was working really well with, you know, like Christos kind of being the guy. He was on the mm-hmm. development side a little bit, not that he was writing code or anything, but he was weighing in on the development side and he was super active in the competitive side. And like just having that person there kind of the way that Dunka acts with the ladder, just being the guy, the community really worked. And when he started to step away, you know, things were getting a little murky. So council gets convened and I'm sitting there thinking like, we really need like some way to pull everybody back here, like centralize it all because the daily races are shrinking. The weekly races are shrinking. Everybody's kind of breaking off into their own little factions and long-term, I don't think it's going to be great. There wasn't a lot that we ended up really being able to do. So ladder kind of came around at a perfect time to kind of give everybody this, this, this rock of a competitive platform that wasn't going to go away, that was equally enjoyable, whether four people joined the race, I mean, not equally enjoyable, but you still had, you know, you didn't need 70 Mm -hmm. people to join. You could, 12 people wanted to join this race. Okay, well, great. We'll fire the race off and I get to play one of them. And that's the same experience more or less as if there were 70 people in it so it was really good when that came along and it's you know without ladder coming along i think undoubtedly we would have gotten to a worse place as a community because we were Mm -hmm. really on the downtrend and we were starting to break off into our our own little you know everybody's got their own discord and nowadays everybody's kind of like overlapping their circles you know you're in these four discords and that shares a discord with this one guy who's also in these other four discords so we've (laughs) got our own little kind of like community in that way and um it's it's ended up very decentralized but ladder is one of those things kind of pulling everybody together Mm -hmm. so it's different it's impossible to say better worse whatever i know from a learning perspective it was better back then for me 
I would not be able to learn the game as well as I could back then if I had to learn it now. But does that make it better or worse? It's impossible for me to say. I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate where we've come. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if better or worse is, is what I'm saying. I'm thinking more of do you enjoy the big races as opposed to oh, everyone's yes, racing one on one? That undoubtedly I can say. I, big, the big races to me is the best way to play this game. Um, and the biggest, the, the biggest area we fell down as a community is we never were able to make those SRL points into something. That's what that I was going to bring up because I know <laughs> we, you were trying so hard yeah. to get a scoring system because there's D will and then there's everyone else on SRL. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't think D will's there anymore, but I haven't checked in a while. <laughs> well, it's um, been how long? It's probably somebody else. It's just a new deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> th- yes. So like that to me was why we were starting to lose a lot of people because look, <sighs> once you've played the game for a long enough period of time and you know you you've gotten your share of first second third fourth fifth place you've gotten your share of 62nd 64th whatever places you don't really care necessarily did i get 14th or you know did i get 34th and so once that level of care stops going down a little bit then people are looking also at like oh you have to you have to do the stupidest routes in order to win a big race these days there's no point in even playing which, by the way, was not really true because there's not that many seeds that come down to like one decision. But whatever, mm-hmm. that became mm-hmm. the the prevailing wisdom. Like you have to clown route to win a race. Uh, newsflash, that was really never true, but that's what people started to believe. So that started mm-hmm. to kind of like break that down. And if we had been able to kind of pull something together at the top and say, here is, you know, like turn it into a, a tennis or a golf situation or any other sport competitive event that, you know, ranks its players based on matches that are happening all the time. So we had all those matches firing off. Like the weekly was still pretty popular. The dailies were pretty popular and you had pickup races that were firing off all the time. We had plenty of data to scrape it into some kind of scoring system and put that as like a standard and then maybe even plug that into events that we were doing. Instead of doing a bunch of qualifiers for the main tournament, why don't we just have a ranking system that takes, here's how everybody's played the last six months. Mm. And that had the added benefit to me in my mind of like encouraging people to be active in the community and not just disappear and then show up in the tournament. And then, oh, it's tournament time. Okay, I'm going to go back and play. Like, well, we, we, got, we have all these players who are playing all the damn time. Why don't we like give a little bit of a, of a deference to them so that was my idea. I had a, a, a power rankings prototype out there and I, I scored it for like, probably scored it for like six months or so as like a proof of concept. And then it just, you know, without, without anybody else attaching anything to it, it just, there wasn't any reason for it to exist. So yeah, uh, it no longer exists. It will not surprise you to find that the player who spent the most time at the top of those power rankings, even way back in 2018, was none other than Gamachu. It's actually wow. how Gamachu first like got on my radar as like, wow, he's been this good. He's just like every week because it was a weekly ranking. It took the previous uh-huh. week's races into account. It was like every week he's number one. Sometimes he dips down to number two or whatever. But like this guy's so good and so consistent. So that's been him for four years. <laughs> um, son of a bitch. Which also, yeah. hey, I can look at I can look at it and be like, I was doing a good job scoring it because it's got Gamachu as the best player. <laughs> how can you argue with it? <laughs> yeah. 
you mentioned the council. When it comes to 2018, 2019, you were one of the more prominent members of the community and were elected as, I think you were a council leader that first season as well. Is that right? Okay. So tell me about your time on that first council. I mean, we've talked about the council a little bit with some of the other first season or first run council members and how kind of chaotic it kind of was because we were just kind of figuring out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. So we, there was a real need for something. Like I said before, we, we had been in this kind of state as soon as Christo started to take a little bit of a step back, there wasn't anybody else to do the things as no fault. Christos, like he was a one man show for a long time. And you know, he made the community very good when, when he was here, but nobody's going to stick around forever. And we really just needed a couple new admins that were tied into the competitive world. What we came up, what they came up with was, Hey, we're going to do this racing council. And I'm thinking, okay, this sounds fine. It's like admins, but not in name only, whatever. Fine. Anybody that can come on and steer the competitive community. Cause we've got glitches. We have to classify. We've got, we've had cheating happening that kind of gone unaddressed for the most yep. part. Like, Mm-hmm. it's not a secret to anybody that was around back then. Like it was kind of just like the thing you didn't talk about, but we all sort of know that something's going on. Is anybody kind of paying attention? We had, so we had like all these like community hit squads running around and like figuring out, Oh, this person's definitely a cheater. And this person's probably a cheater. And that's not good for the community either. Like, even if those people end up being right about some of them, you're, you're you don't want that being a decentralized mm-hmm. thing. So they come up with the council and I apply thinking this sounds great. I got to get on this. This is going to be exactly what we need to move forward. And they elect 17 of us, 17 of us. And you <laughs> can't get 17 people to do anything. Even 17 really good people. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. It, it was never going to work. And we were behind the eight ball to start, like I said, because there were things we had to catch up on. And Mimic then there were new things, one, that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, there, there were just, there were glitches that we were just like, are these going to be good? Are they not going to be good? What are we going to do? And very soon after that, there's like new stuff being discovered in the vanilla side where we've got uh, icebreaker and diver down and there's other things that come up very soon. So there's a lot going on in that first council and uh, we didn't do the best job of it. Like if we could go back and kind of, take more time and figure out what we wanted to do internally. And honestly, if we just had, we just needed five people. I thought five was going to be a lot. Like mm-hmm. just, just take three of us and just, just have, it doesn't even have to be me. Like I'm not saying my ideas on what glitches are good or not, or are any better than somebody else's opinion of glitches. But 17 just was so unwieldy. It, it was just like trying to get a, a, a a super tanker like um <laughs> um going fast but having to pick the direction we were going to go before we got any of that momentum it, it was it was very difficult and uh yeah we did especially didn't, with the the members that were in it because yeah, not that there are bad members but there everyone there was not afraid to share their thoughts or opinions course. for the most and, part and it was look, a lot of strong and, personalities yes for sure and honestly, look, we're going to be honest on this podcast. There were people I would not have put on the council in that first count. There were people who applied to the council and in their application said, I don't really want to be on the council, but 
<laughs> yeah. And somehow that wasn't an automatic exclusion. Like, yeah. so like when, when you're filling 17 people and some of them don't want to be there and do the job, it's like, yeah. we're not really being set up for success. And, and then there were some mistakes that we made just trying to catch up and trying to get all that stuff done that for sure. Like I, if we could go back and, and do some things a little bit differently, I tried to, again, my visions were based on kind of maybe how I wanted the council to be and not what it was. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't think we really needed to do any of the, the bylaws that exist now, which to me, it, it's, it's a lot of work went into them. Like, I'm not trying to, to, to say anything bad about P-Train or anybody else who worked really hard to get a really complex system in place. And, and it's, it's good and it works and it's utterly ridiculous that it exists and it works. Like, it just, we <laughs> yeah. should not need that to exist. Yeah. And that right. is like hundreds of man hours that went into yeah. creating that. And if, if we need that in order for the thing to function, like we should be going back to the drawing board and right. uh, you, you could take, uh, I'll, I'll happily step down. You can take the, the four best council members that exist right now, of which I am not one, by the way, I'm no longer anywhere close to as active as some of the other council members that exist now. Take the four best council members now and just right there, everybody else, we can all go home. And, and that just becomes so much more flexible. And not that we have that much to do now as the council versus back then. But, right. Right. Um, that first council just, it, it was not quite a, a, you know, what show, but it was almost a, you know, what show. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. Cause I'm kind of with you where like, I hate the fact that there's like a contract, like a <laughs> lawyer written contract to race link to the past randomizer. I understand like my mind understands why it's there. But I hate yeah. it. And that's also one of the reasons why I hated what the league became is it's so rules layered and it had to be. It, I mean, it yeah. grew so big that it had to become that. And I understand that it's the need, but I just doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> no, no, it definitely doesn't. Especially yeah. since, again, we're old, so we don't have to like anything. Even if it's right. good, but certainly <laughs> if it's bad, we're going to let you know, like, God, this sucks. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So through all of this, you're doing the NMG grind and you currently have a 123. Is that right? I currently have a 123. Yes. Okay. 123.55. So tell me a little bit about the grind and kind of being a part of that community, because there's a lot of people that play NMG. There's a lot of people that play Rando. And the crossover between the two isn't that big. There's some people that play NMG and Rando, but it's almost like you could count it on on two hands, really. You, Ari, checks. I can think of a couple others. Scoople, but he's kind of on the outs with Rando, as I find <laughs> a lot of NMG runners tend to do. But so kind of tell me about your experience with that. It's very interesting. There are people who are actually really big in the vanilla community that started in Rando. And there's people who are very big in the Rando community that started in NMG. So it has gone one way or the other. To your point, mm-hmm. like the major crossover, like plays lots of Rando and plays lots of vanilla. Um is not as large as maybe you might think. And you, mm-hmm. you get people who dabble, like Doomtap, super amazing player, has like dabbled right. here and there in Rando a bit. Right. Yeah, I think he actually got top four in one of the recent tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. But like not a top Rando player by any stretch, um, which is, again, no slight to Doomtap. You just, you, you have to 
you have to put the time into a lot to be really good at rando. Um, And he, there's nothing that means he couldn't be really good at rando, but it doesn't exactly translate just as you know, this, the same would be said for the other way around. Like you can play a lot of rando. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to get a 125 instantly or something like that. So there are a few of us who've done a lot going back and forth. It helped me honestly going, being able to go back and forth. I think there were probably Mm -hmm. times I would have burned out on rando or burned out on the NMG grind if I didn't have, mm. oh, you know what? I'm just going to play Rando for the next two weeks. We'll come back and do this later. Um, and mm-hmm. you're still getting better at the game. So whichever one you're playing, you're you're getting better at both at the same time. So it was right. like just your banking skill. And eventually you'll be able to turn that into something without maybe having to deal with the frustration of like, hey, we last locationed again. Great. Or we, you know, died to, to again and on pace again. Wonderful. <laughs> So that, right. that hurts a lot right. less in one of those modes. Um, but yeah, I, I had really, again, like most of that grind was pre-kid. So like I, my first mm. kid was born in 2019 and I kind of looked at that as like, okay, his kid's going to arrive. My rando career is done. My NMG career is done. I'm going to put the game down. And um, I guess about one and a half weeks before he was born, I lost my job. So suddenly mm. now I've got a kid and no yeah. job, which has its own mm. problems, but it was like, right. well, now I still have all this time to play rando and play NMG. And <laughs> then a couple months go by and it's like, well, now we're locked down in the worldwide pandemic. Isn't this convenient for continuing <laughs> to waste my time on rando and NMG? Um, so I, I ended up putting way more, honestly, years into it than I thought I would once my life started to become more uh, restricted. Um, but yeah, that, that initial grind down, um, with all the rando I had played, honestly, it was, it didn't take long for me to get on a sub one thirty, mm-hmm. And then it was again, just kind of like a parallel track. I'm playing lots of rando and getting better. And then I'll, you know, play NMG and a bunch of times and get better. Um, I thought that like most people, like you get to a, a, a goal. Okay. I'm going to stop here. This is the last one I'll get. Mm-hmm. Then you the way it works is you kind of have to bank so much skill that you're like, but I could get to the next one. Maybe like, well, I could, I could beat this one. There's still major mistakes in this run. Like I thought I would stop at 125, and then you're like, but I have a death in my first 125. So clearly I can beat that. And so then mm-hmm. you keep going and I got 124. And then you get to a point where it's just, it's fun to be really good at something. So by the time you've put so much time into it and you're really good at it, it's just now it's fun to play and, and, it's fun to be really good at something. So you keep doing it and then you just keep getting better and better. Cause there's really no special skill involved in like playing the legend of Zelda a link to the past really fast. <laughs> just the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's the, it's simple math almost like Eri is amazing at it because he's played it so damn much. <laughs> and like it, there's agree. a skill there. Yes. Yes. I would say there you you could put a lot of time and still not be as good as a lot of runners. It's just that it, there is a lot of skill there. And there it's, I guess it's hard for me to kind of separate the two. Like after a certain point, I guess I'll phrase it like this. If you can get a 124, if you could get mm-hmm. a sub 125, if you can show that you have the, the mechanical ability, the timing, whatever you want to call it. And the ability to like practice focus practice that takes to get there. After that point, there's nothing that you can't do with mm. enough time. 
I guess is sure. kind of the way I'm sure. So like once you that can makes get, sense. Yeah. and I'm being I'm being abstract and I like whatever arbitrary number I want to use here. Sure. Like, yeah, if yeah. you can get a 124 59, then you can get the world record. You just have to put enough time into it. it, it mm-hmm. Um so like yeah, if if you've tried to play and you you can't break through a certain barrier and like I'm still stuck at 131 like this guy's just saying all I have to do is keep playing. It's not working. Like you're right. You're right. That's that's not the the way I kind of wanted to phrase it, but Right. At a certain point, it's just a matter of time. Like you'll get better right. the more you play it. Your standards will get better. And, and you'll just, so like the, the difference between when I got, I don't think I was any better than when I got my 124 versus my 123. It's just, Hey, that happened to be another year of playing the game. And suddenly mm-hmm. you've got a new milestone. So it, it, it kind of snowballs, I guess, right. all the way down. Like I kept thinking, right. okay, I'll stop. Cause Rando was always my primary focus. Like I, I wanted to be the best at Rando. There wasn't really no part of me was like, I'm going to beat Zelna's time one day or anything like that. That was not on the, the agenda, but mm-hmm. the more I played random and got better at random, the more it made me better at NMG. And I just woke up one day, like my time keeps getting better. So we're going to keep <laughs> playing this because it's pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. And uh, watching you play has been a lot of fun and watching you do the grind as well. An hour has come and gone. It's crazy. And we haven't got to the last question. <laughs> so let's get to the last question, which he knows since you listened to the show tilt. Uh, how do you handle tilts? What's your approach to handling tilt, whether it's at the end of the game or in the middle of the game? So with this game, I, I like to say that, um, you know, if you are not equipped to handle the playing perfectly, making every perfect decision, not doing anything wrong ever. Like we sort of know the math on that. You're going to win against a standard skilled opponent 80% of the time and no more. Like, even if you're making every right decision, doing everything correct, not making any mistakes, you'll still only win like 80% of the time. You're just not mm-hmm. going to break through that, that number. So you, you have to be equipped to be like, it's just going to happen sometimes. And you're not going to play perfectly, by the way. So you're probably not going to win at 80% if you keep playing and playing and right. playing regularly skilled opponents. Mm-hmm. You're going to win less than that. So you got to be ready. You have to have it in your mind. I'm going to lose this much. This, this many times there's going to be something bad that happens. This many times I'm going to die on the way to Ice Rod Cave and the big item's going to be an Ice Rod Cave and I'm going to mm-hmm. say, yeah, it's probably nothing. I'm not going back. It's going to happen. And if, if you're going to get really, if it's going to get to you, you're playing the wrong game. Now, that said, getting angry is fine. Like mm-hmm. better than keeping it bottled up or not understanding like yeah. why you're pissed off. Be pissed off, but understand why you're pissed off. Like, I'm mad this happened because like for me, I have an enormous ego and it's a fucking problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I try to be aware of it because it's like, man, you really don't need to feed your ego here. I really don't need to go into the stream of the player I just played on ladder so I could see Mm. their reaction when they finished and I'll rewind Mm. their VOD. Oh, they finished and they lost to Buen and like get their reaction from that. Like that's just my ego. And I've done that plenty of times. And probably other people out there have played, I've done it too. So, um, <laughs> for sure, I, I know my ego is an issue. So I got this, I have a big ish, a uh, big ego. And I try to be aware of that as a flaw. Like, oh, okay, this is my ego. I don't need to do this. So if, you know, I, you talk about a lot about mental health. I think a big part of mental health is understanding, like, here are my flaws. Here are the things I need to work on. I understand they're going to be a problem sometimes, but I will be aware of them to better yes. enable myself to, to deal mm. with that problem. So like, yeah, if you've got, I can't handle losing. I can't handle last location. I can't handle, I happened to lose. Like, oh, 
I lost a Hitsu. Like, oh, I want to, you know, <laughs> jump out the window. Right. This is the worst thing. Understand where that's coming from. Just kind of be like, all right, well, this, I'm playing this game. I'm going to lose sometimes. That sucks. Find a way to, to find an outlet for it. Like, all right, I've had it with Rando. Time to go play yep. NMG. Like I said, that was a huge one for me. Like, there were absolutely times I was like, well, I just lost three, la- three races in a row. Um, not playing this for the rest of the month. And that's on one hand childish and on the other hand like it's it's saving myself from having to like almost come to terms with why i'm upset at a stupid video game from 1993 like we got to understand that anything we're going to get mad at in any video game but especially in this video game is going to be childish (laughs) at its heart so uh going with that knowledge yeah but your emotions aren't child i mean Right. No, they're very real. It's okay to get angry. angry. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with being angry. And I think the thing that you said that really resonates is being aware. Right. Know that this might trigger me. Right. So how do I handle those triggers, and how do I find ways to where I'm not taking out on my opponent, calling them a luck sack, and you know what I mean, like that kind of bullshit. Where it's like, yeah, I'm pissed. I lost. Let me be pissed and feel it and know that I have ways can I have ways set up to handle being angry other than absolutely taking it out on things that don't need to be taken out on. And like sometimes sometimes people around us are better equipped to to make to notice those things than we are. So like mm-hmm. if you have mm-hmm. people around you that you you know that you are friends with, they're they're close to you and they feel that, hey, you got really mad at that loss yesterday. And you're like, No, I did. No, I that was fine. I was like, No, you took it really personal. Like just a game chill out and like sometimes that's really good advice it's a good thing you can do to a, for a friend is be like you okay like you took that really hard mm-hmm. i don't think uh, that's quite healthy or like or man you like yep. you were really a dick to your opponent you should like go back and read that because <laughs> right. that did not come <laughs> right. off very well like <laughs> right yeah for sure we're not always the best at, at critiquing ourselves in those yeah. um, moments so having people around sure. us that can help us is always good yeah great advice man well Thanks so much for doing the show. I, I, this was a, when I was coming up with people to have on the show, your name was high up there. It sucks that it took me until season three to get you here, but uh, I'm glad you oh, no, that's okay. uh, were able to do it. Let's, let's be honest. Like I play the game way less now than I used to. So should I, even, <laughs> should I have even been on this season at all? Like when all is said and done, I might be your season three guest that has played the least like, <laughs> during impossible. season three. So it, it feels... <laughs> It's just an honor to be on here at any point. There's so many people in the community. It's not like, uh, you know, my story is any more interesting than any uh, hundred of the others. So um, it's like I said, it's been real fun listening. A lot of people out there I don't know at all that now I feel like, you know, they're now it feels like I'm a little part of their community by knowing their story. And like, that's your whole goal with doing this. So it's it's been really cool. And, you know, like I said, it's it's before your podcast came out there were a long time since we'd had something to like pull us all together so it's uh as long as you can keep it going that's i'll be i'll be here listening again huge shout outs to blaine for doing the show really appreciated him coming on dropping knowledge yeah and just a good dude i just you know blaine seems like one of those people that you just want to kind of hang out with go grab a beer or whatever get some wings and just bullshit and watch some some football or something and the night would fly by that's the kind of guy Blaine is and I was really excited to have him on the show and I'm really excited to, to hear his story 
So again, big shout outs to Wayne for coming on the show. A couple housekeeping things. 216 Weekly, noon Eastern, Saturday. We did Shadow Rush last week. It was a lot of fun. Had Structural Mike on the comms talking about the mode that he created. It was great. Beer and Cassidy Moen on the restream with Beer taking the restream win. So he's chosen Retrance plus Shop Sanity. And here are some of the quirks that he mentioned. There are five quivers, single arrows, that can be found either in shops or in the wild. Small keys in shops can be repeat purchased, so that's cool. But the price is shuffled, so they're not guaranteed to be 100 rupees. And fixed in a given shop. For example, you can find a small key for 150 rupees in one shop and another for 50. So it's obviously better to buy a bunch of cheap ones. So we're going to be doing some restaurants shop sandy. Going to be a good time. Noon Eastern on Saturday, restreamed on my channel, twitch.tv slash fearagent underscore. Reminder for the bonus episodes, those are available to my Twitch subs in the Discord. So if you want early access to the Chelsea X Lynn and the Boyne bonus episodes, you can check those out by subscribing to my Twitch channel. Doesn't even cost you anything if you are a Prime member. You can use your Prime sub on my channel and still get access to those bonus episodes early. But again, they will come out at the end of the season to everyone. So subscribe to the show wherever you can. We're everywhere. 216pod.com has the links to the Discord. Make sure you join that. And I think that's it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.